home of the 76ers. Give me the name first, Windmill Jam. Are you kidding me? 97.3 ESPN, WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. A Thursday show starts now. Sports Bash Live. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. A lot to dive into. A couple of games, three games yesterday that we got to react to. And a Flyers game coming up at 4 o'clock today that we'll preview with Kevin Durso at 3.30. We got news on Ben Simmons. And it's not good. I mean, it's not the worst news. It's not a torn ACL or anything like that. But he could be out at least throughout these next seeding games and possibly crossing into the playoffs. What what sticks your crawl the most today, though? It's a great question. That is a great question. You had a split from the Phils, I mean. Yeah, but didn't it seem like an underwhelming split? I know that's a little ridiculous to say, but it was underwhelming. The way that this is being handled, I think Gabe Kapler's still in Philadelphia. Did you mean I? Joe Kapler? Did I just Gabe Girardi? Yeah. Doesn't it feel that way? Uh, I was not a fan of his uh, explanation nor pulling Nola out of the game at 88 pitches, especially when you know, look, if it's a nine-inning game, maybe, and this is where, oh, my God, I, my blood was boiling last night. I sent you a text with the DH situation because in the fifth, the pitcher spot would have came up for the fills, and I said to you, if there was a DH in the lineup, they would have had to make the decision in the seven-inning game. Do you take – Nola out of the game. At that point, with no DH, I'm thinking there's no way they're taking him out. And still, with no DH, Girardi took him out of the game last night. I I mean, his explanation after the game, 88 pitches, yeah, we're being extra cautious. Ah, come on, man. He had 12 strikeouts in six innings. This was 2018, Aaron Nola. Now, let me throw this at you. Wouldn't you want Aaron Nola to say, give me that damn ball? Or is that going too far? Are you anticip- or are you believing that Nola was okay with getting pulled out? I just feel like someone like Madison Bumgarner or Jake Arrieta in his prime in Chicago. Yeah, Cliff Lee. M- might those have, guys. Yeah, might have said something to him. Like, yo, I'm going back out there. What are you doing right now? Not his personality, but I see what you're saying. Look, Girardi, and he went into this long soliloquy last night about how he's got to protect the players, and that's his number one job, and his number, you know, it's about winning games for the organization, but it's also about watching out for the players. I feel like because of this whole situation, uh, they didn't get enough training camp, uh, these guys are professionals. They're the best. I mean, you know, there's kids who are 14 years old, they don't pick up a baseball until March, and they go out there, and they're okay. Like, these guys aren't 14. They're they're getting themselves ready. You're telling me that Aaron no that's a, that would be a problem for me. If I'm the manager and you're telling me my ace is not ready to throw 88 pitches after he's been that dominant, don't I question the guy and say that's not right. You've got to be more prepared. You're a professional. Instead, he's telling the professional Eh, he's probably not ready to go. That bothers me. It bothers me too, but I'll say this. This is baseball. This is baseball in 2020. It would be different if everybody else was going through with this and throwing 100 pitches right now, but Aaron Nola wasn't. This is just how baseball works these days. And it's one of the reasons why I just have... I can't watch the game anymore. 
I didn't like the seven innings either. It was a little funky watching him go. It's the sixth inning, and you're like, oh, let him go a complete game. And I'm yelling to get him in the seventh, uh, you know? They're talking about if he throws a complete game, he gets credited for a complete game, and it's like, man, this is just Bush League. It man. really is. This this season's all kind of wonky. It was Bush League, and my buddy's a big Yankee fan, and I'm going back and forth with him, and I said, before the game started, I was like, ah, oh, this seven innings is going to come into big play here. And I said, because the Phillies' bullpen is terrible. Well, sure enough, if that game went nine innings, that first game, they ain't winning that game. No doubt. I do think that some things snowballed differently, though. Like, would you pull Zach Wheeler in the six, or would you give him one more? Would Austin Davis was only in the game because it was 11-3. There's no way he would be in there yeah. if it was closer, How many right? pitches was uh, – I can't believe I have to ask this question. It sounds ridiculous. How many questions – how many pitches did, did Wheeler throw? He was in the 80s. Okay. So, no, I let him go. It, it, it's, it's like this, okay? This is the way that I view it. First off, if he throws seven innings, it's a complete game. You've now saved your bullpen. Now, he might say, well, my bullpen hasn't thrown in weeks anyway. Well, guess what? Your bullpen's the weakest spot. If they never have to throw, consider that a victory. But at the same time, if Wheeler goes to seven, and you might say, ah, he's not quite there yet. He's not quite ready. How does he get ready if you don't let him go? He's the best guy you've got right now. Him and Nola are the two best, and Wheeler has been good in two starts now. Don't I want to see him go seven rather than say, you know what, you gave me six, thanks a lot. No. And because he made that decision, it snowballed into all the decisions that got into play in game number two. Because he had to go to Davis, and then he had to go to Kelly, and then he had to go to Neris, he couldn't use Neris in the second game. Well, could he have used Neris in the second game and just chose not to? He threw one pitch. One pitch pitch and it wasn't as if you know they planned to use him so I can't imagine his bullpen session being heavy because you didn't know that you were going to be utilized when the score is 11 to 3 and oh by the way how close was it to being 11 to 10 because there was a home run that was just shy yeah that guy Kelly that came in I mean he's grooving 89 mile per hour fastballs down Broadway I'm like what are you doing here get this guy out and then I texted you this three batter rule is going to drive me insane. Yeah, you saw that a couple of times. This isn't the first time that it was that was it was in play with the certain bullpen guys. You've seen it throughout the Miami Marlins series as well. Right. When you now, for those of you who are like, "What are you talking about?" the The new rule this year is the pitcher has to stay in and face at least three hitters. So if this guy looks shaky, he's got to get through three guys no matter what. And it, oh my lord, I was like, get this guy out of here. Well, let me say something about Tommy Hunter. He's supposed to be a veteran that you could rely on. That was abysmal. You know, he hits, 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 hit battery, hit um Gary Sanchez in the elbow. You saw the ball mark right there, right above his elbow. Yeah, you Hunter saw was him. Bad. Yeah, Tommy Hunter. That's supposed to be a guy you could actually rely on. And if you can't rely on the guys you're supposed to, this is going to be a long season. And there's there's no fix. That's the thing. Now, the bullpen's bad, and, you know, I look at it like this. They went with so many guys who have no track record. So Girardi doesn't know these guys, and he's going with guys who have no track record, and he's putting them into moments that they have no track record of being a part of. He did it the other night. He also doesn't seem to pull the guys in the right spots either. If these players are struggling, he allows those guys to continue to go out there and struggle. You saw it with Guerra. You saw it with Tommy Hunter. I mean, there's plenty of times where it's... Well, they also have to stand for three. Well, I know, but I'm saying <laughs> That's after... no help. No, I know, but I'm saying that there is a point after the three where he 
keeps them in. It's hey, he's struggling. You gotta get him out of there. Well, I, I, to, uh, to just play the other side, he doesn't have a lot of options. Very true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was very frustrated. Nola's going, and they can't get any runs for him either. And by the way, you can't get any runs, and the Yankees are throwing a bullpen game at you. That is what's crazy about it. I, I was thinking to myself, imagine if the Phillies had to go with the bullpen game one of these days. What? Well, that's you don't stand a chance. The bullpen game for them is where Pavetta gets a shot. I like, you know, I think Frank Close tweeted this out last night, and I, I, I'm thinking the same thing. You know, you bring Howard up, you move Velasquez to the bullpen, and you have Velasquez and Pavetta as two guys. Now, I know you don't love Pavetta, but I don't love him either. But you have Velasquez and Pavetta. If you're throwing them guys for two innings, that means the Garras of the world and the Kellys of the world and the Austin Davises of the world, they don't get these innings. So you have a guys, you know, you have guys who can be, Pavetta can be good. Velasquez can be good at limited two innings. And boom, Adam Morgan, I thought he has pitched well over. You know when he's not hurt. Yeah, he pitched well last year. There was a long period of time where he wasn't allowing any earned runs. He was very solid last year, and you know what? For the circumstances, he did well in that game yesterday too. He, he did great. He, he, yeah, he, he held it to he three kept to one him in that game. Yeah, sadly, the next inning when the Phillies were up to bat, you had a lazy at bat by Andrew McCutcheon, followed by Scott Kingery, and it's a shame because I thought they had an opportunity to win two games against the Yankees in one day. Their first game, tremendous. Hap didn't help. He was walking six batters in three innings. But Did get a ding-dong from yeah, but Bryce that, Harper. He, he also tweaked his back a little bit. Did you see that? It was like Ben Simmons went out for the Sixers, and then five minutes later, Bryce Harper left the Yankees game. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me right yeah, now. Yeah, well, luckily he played in game number two. I mean, I'll tell you, I would say there was – it's hard to say there was more positives than negatives in the Phillies because – they split a game, which you're – look, it's a doubleheader. You're hoping to split. Um, You had an excellent outing from Wheeler. That's a plus. You had an excellent outing from Nola. That's a plus. You scored 11 runs in the first game. That's a plus. But I can't help but think that that bullpen almost overshadows everything. No doubt. It's This is what's crazy about it. Bad bullpens still find a way once in a while to actually do something good. That's yet to happen. This is so bad. Bad bullpens somehow accidentally get good outs. Well, to be this fair, they've only played it. four games. Well, was well, it five now? No, well, they're two and four, six games. Every time they touch the mound, yeah, something well, bad happens. Yeah, brought that point up is like, look, everybody else has played double the games we have, and we're still trying to get to that. They're a week and a half ahead of us. I don't know if that's an excuse for this bullpen, because guess what? No, in I'm a not. Week I'm from not now, so, they're still going to be in trouble. I agree with that, but... We haven't got it. My point is, they haven't had the chance to ask backwards themselves into a good day. Right. No, that's true. Now, you texted me yesterday and said, How about Andrew Knapp? He might be better than Reese Hoskins. I yeah. said, You might be right. Yep. Knapp with a, with a, he had the only <laughs> ribby in him the game. Him and Neil Walker were the ones that got the run scored for the Phillies in the second game against the bullpen. Right. And that, that, let's talk about the offense. Because you know what? Yes, they had 11 runs in the first game, but they struggle with runners in scoring position. They, more times than not, cannot find ways to get hits. And this, Lineup on paper is way too good for the production that we're getting. One run, and it was Neil Walker and Andrew Knapp. I mean, come on, you got to be better than that against a bullpen. It was frustrating. Game two was frustrating. Like as much as game one, and then the way that game one ended, and then game two they get a run right off the bat. They hit the bomb in the first inning. And you're like, eh, uh, Noah doesn't, you know. And then all of a sudden. You get a run right back, and it's like, okay, then Nola settles in, and the next thing you know, it's 1-1. The seven-inning game was just, I mean, how many people out there were 
just I just the fact that the game was seven innings was so bush league. I hated it. So bush league. I and then McCarthy's making references to well, I called all these seventh inning games in the minors. I'm thinking, yeah, where they belong. I mean, seriously, this is Major League Baseball playing a seven-inning game, and they're talking about, like, a no-hitter, and if you get a seven-inning, I was like, Oh, I never even thought about the no-hitter. When you mentioned the complete game, I thought, ah, it's kind of Bush League, like you said, but all right. But But, what if you get a perfect game in seven innings? That would have been blown in the eighth or ninth (laughs) if you were actually playing. It's so bad. It's so so amateur. I I get it. What's going on? There's no need to do it. There was no need to cut it down. For what? For what was the no one is still giving me a reason that makes me feel like you know what that's a good reason. The reason they do say is because of the pitchers and saving the pitchers when you're trying to fit so many games in so many days. That's what they're telling you. Not, I, not I saw reactions enough. yesterday that liked it because the games were shorter. And I bring this back up. I've said this before. If sure, you're I like that about, aspect of it. But if you if you're worried about the length of game of baseball, you don't like baseball enough. Goes back to my point. If you like the DH, DH is a game of baseball for people who don't really like baseball. A seven-inning game, because it's more convenient to you, you don't really like baseball. Yeah, I wish there were two more hours of those games. Maybe not with the Phillies bullpen in. I I, I mean, (laughs) there's a couple other things in that game, too. One, uh, Kingery is really struggling. Looks like a lost puppy out there. Andrew McCutcheon as well. I said that the other day. Yeah. McCutcheon. This is bad. Yeah. This is bad. I mean, it's almost getting to the point where I don't know if he's playable in the in the one hole right now leading off. How do you continue to throw that out there? Well, but right, and I've been an advocate of hitting Kingery in the two-hole, but right, right now he looks like a lost duck out there. Reese Hoskins, 0-2 count, bases juice, got a little how do you do there in left field. That was big in game one. Here's the thing. The 0-2 counts was the theme of game one. Gardner rocked Wheeler, 0-2 count, out of the yard. Bryce Harper, home run, 0-2 count. Reese Hoskins, 0-2 count with bases loaded. That's kind of unique. I mean, you don't see that happen often. For it to happen that many times in the game like that with big moments. It's good note-taking by you. Oh, there. of course. Look at this. I mean, I got uh, I got both games here. No joke. <laughs> no joke. I take my notes. I love taking my notes during these games. Absolutely. got to do the notes. Absolutely. Um, but the offense in game two for them to be stifled like that was almost expected. You score 11, it always happens. You score 11, then you're out of runs in game number two. But to not be able to scratch out a second one for Nola is so unfortunate. Right. Now, you have to you have to win these games with Wheeler and Nola on the mound because it only makes it that much harder when you see Eflin, Arietta, and, and some other guys out there. This is why you got to win when you have these two on the bump. Eflin today, I don't know what to expect at all. Well, and, and you say anytime Nola goes... You have to hope to expect. You have to expect to try to. to you have to expect to win that game. You're not. He's not going to get the win every time, but he's going to put you in position. And every time they're now zero and two when he has been on the mound. And I think it was Bob uh, Wankel from Crossing Broad that talked about what was it? Three hundred and fifty-one days ago was the last win for Nola, August twentieth, two thousand and nineteen. But he also brought up something about. What? How many starts Wheeler and Nola were projected to get, and what their record would be have to be in those games, and what the other, how many wins they would have to get from other guys? Well, right now, two games Nola's pitched, no wins in, to show for it. That's can't incredible. Have it. No, can't you, you, you can't have it, especially with what he did yesterday. Yesterday was so lethal. I mean, the way that his fastball was hitting that outside corner, coming back with the two seam and the changeup was ridiculous. The off speed pitches crazy. Aaron Nola. 
gave you a performance where it's like, wow, that was 2018 Nola. And I just feel like we haven't seen that in so long. Post-game, he was with the media being asked questions, and someone mentioned, you know, hey, that kind of looked like you in 2018. And he fired back a bit and go, well, I think I had some of that in me last year, too. He did make sure to put that in there. I don't know if we've seen this type of Aaron Nola last year. Would you agree? Uh, last night, he was... Probably better than any night I can remember last year. I mean, he had the big curve. He had uh, them off balance. He was pinpoint accurate. And Great by the lineup, way, he too. Did it, I was just going to say, he did it against one of the most lethal lineups in baseball. So that was encouraging. What's well, not encouraging? No wins to show for it in his two starts. And guess what? Every day you peel the calendar off and he pitches, you're running out of time. I'm not one of these guys It's like, hey, you know, you're running out of time. It's a must-win type of game, which it's not. I mean, no one's uh, – you're 2-4 and four and Atlanta – is hey, eight and Miami Marlins are the team to watch out for. They are 5-1. and one. But at what point do you start to say, look, anytime Nola pitches, you your team has to win that game. When Wheeler and Nola pitch, they're not going to get, they're not going to be, you know, 17-0. and 0. I get that part of it. But they almost have to win 80% of the times that those guys pitch if you want to have any thought. And, and, and what I was, when I was watching that game last night, all I kept thinking was, there's no way I can see this team in a World Series situation. None. Not with this bullpen, I can't. So, yeah, it might be a fun up-and-down season. Like, oh, maybe down the last week of the season, can they get to the playoff? But in 08, they were the best team in the league. And throughout that year, you learned to trust their guys. You learned to trust Chad Durbin. Guy that didn't have a great, like, he wasn't like, at the beginning of the year, you were like, ah, we got that guy Durbin, he's great. You know, you learned to trust Durbin, though. I can't see that happening with this team. That's my problem right now. I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, this team's not a, they're not a playoff team, and if they are, they're not a World Series team. Oh, they're definitely not a World Series team. And I just feel like the bullpen and how bad it is and how atrocious it is is just overpowering the fact that the hitting is a problem, too. I mean, hitting with runners in scoring position is just a problem with this team. They can't do it. And like I said, they're too good of a team on paper to be struggling to this degree when it comes to knocking in runs. They have to do a better job at producing runs. So their hitting is bad. I mean, their hitting is not good at all. It's just the fact that the bullpen is so historically a dumpster fire that it overpowers the conversation of, hey, they need to do a better job at hitting the baseball. 609-403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. Your thoughts? On the Phillies, were you, uh, you know, both of us seem to be in the same boat when it comes to Girardi pulling Nola last night. I, I just can't. I'm sorry. I, 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 He's an ace of a Major League Baseball pitching staff. You can't tell me that he was did not at least earn the right to go out there and start that inning. It's Especially when your bullpen is as bad as it is. These if decisions. he was at 100 pitches through six, fine. He's at 88. You let him get to that point. Yep, absolutely. Even If he was at 96, I would understand. 95, I would understand. 88, he's got another inning in him. Now, I will say, some of these decisions, they really do remind me of Gabe Kapler. And when I say that, I mean, I did not like Gabe Kapler's personality. I understood that a lot of his decisions were kind of handed to him. Hey, this is what you're going to do in this situation. This is what you're going to do in this situation. He was just doing what he was told. 
And a lot of these decisions seem to be the exact same thing as if Joe Girardi is being told what to do in certain situations based off analytics. And I get that analytics are in play in baseball. I get it. I think numbers are useful in sports. But I thought with Joe Girardi that we would be getting a little bit more old school. It would be a mix between old school and new school. Use analytics, but have some old school in you. I don't see any old school out of Joe Girardi at all, even when he speaks, honestly. And just because I'm frustrated with him, it doesn't mean get him out of town, all that nonsense. He's a very nice man. But I agree. He knows and, every reporter's name. Oh, yeah. Hey, Megan. He received, yeah, when Megan hey, from Bob. The Athletic. Yep. Hey, Bob. So, um, but when he speaks, he's giving you the same spiel that Gabe Kapler gave you. It's the same thing. So, okay. You know, I'm not a Kapler guy, but I'm not a hater. Are you starting to feel like Kapler wasn't as bad as everybody made him out to be? No, because I, I still think that there were some big-time mistakes that Girardi wouldn't make. Like the, the example of what happened in San Francisco about a week ago where he went up to the pitcher during the same... Ah, at yeah. that, like That's a really rookie mistake that you wouldn't get out of someone like Joe Girardi. I I knew Gabe Kapler wasn't I mean, like, that's the San worst Francisco the team, world. by the way. Overachieving. No talent. None. Horrible. They're about 500 right now. Yeah. I mean, he's got them playing some pretty good baseball. Sure. No, I'm, I'm with you. I Look, I knew. it. For me, I didn't like Gabe Kapler because I didn't like his personality here. And I'm just being straight up honest. Right. It really wasn't too he much wasn't about. He wasn't a Philly guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. But, yeah, you're right, actually. He wasn't a Philly guy. But, uh, but look, I just think that with Joe Girardi, I expected more out of him. I didn't expect him to change the entire bullpen and make their ERA 1.23. But I thought that he would give us a little bit more than what he's given us. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at what San Francisco's doing, kind of keeping an eye on them, and I see a team that has no talent at all. Terrible. I mean, that roster's bad, and they're 6-7 and seven right now, and, you know, I'm looking at what's going on here and how stuff is being managed, and I'm, you know, I tried to explain to people last year, look, we're all hating Kapler for a reason that is, and I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, um, man, and I used to say this all the time, we are judging Kapler on a game that's no longer being played. Like, the way that we're judging him, we're judging him about the way that we like baseball. Not the way that, and you just said it, you talked about how it's hard to watch and the, the pitch counts and all that stuff. It's because, you know, the game is completely different now. But we're judging the managers based on a game that we like and want to see it played. Not the way that... It's being played. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. And here's one thing, though, to remember. So with Gabe Kapler, whether he's a bad manager, an average manager, or a great manager, I do think that it was time for a little bit of change in the clubhouse. And you saw in that game one specifically, how many times did Roman Quinn bust his ass down the first base? Gene Segura bust down the first base. I mean, there was hustle involved in that game one. And I don't know if you really saw that hustle when Gabe Kapler was there in that clubhouse. I think it was a little too easy. Well, here's the tweet that I saw. Brian tweets, everything I thought I knew about baseball gets thrown out when watching a modern-day MLB game. MLB game. Sound strategy on just about anything is non-existent. Very difficult to watch. Yet we are judging the managers based on not modern-day strategies. And we're saying, they're not doing this. Well, that's what we would do in the game when we like the game. They're not coaching that way because that's not the way the game is anymore. So what you're saying is we need to accept that 88 pitches game over for that guy. Uh, unfortunately, yes. Now, I wonder if, because I know a lot of people have been throwing this out there, 
the one of the reasons why he made this move was because it was his second start. If this was his eighth start, well, he insinuated is he that. still yeah. going? Right. Yeah, he said, I got to make sure, you know. So I'm just saying. Still early. So while we are upset with this move, it's Will only it because it's so. Right. It's only because it happened now and not eight starts down the well, road. Well, I would hope. Here's the difference. It's a seven-inning game, not nine. It's not like we were anticipating him going all the way to the ninth. You know what I'm saying? So why not? It's the seventh. Why not throw him back out there for the last inning of the re- of the game? Did he forget that there were seven innings? Don't tell me that. Yeah, call Jenkins for heating and air conditioning, insulation service, and maintenance, plumbing or drain cleaning service, 609-641-6440 or JenkinsPlumbingHeating.com. Mike Golick Jr. on the other side. Does he think we will see an NFL football season? What about college football? Some wild stuff happening uh, with the college game as well, plus the hockey playoffs. I watched a little Habs-Pens last night. I got a text. I was yeah. actually surprised. Yep. That's a 12-5 matchup, something you don't want to see, though. No, I'm not happy with the fives win- uh, the 12s winning these matchups, and it's happening on both sides of the ledger. Yep, Chicago beating Connor McJesus out there in Edmonton. Yeah, that basketball game didn't have me very long. Brooklyn, uh, I think they stayed in the bubble. Oh, yeah? Oh, man, that was horrible. They got the doors blown off them. It was 120-90 to 90 at one point. Oof. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. It's Sixers basketball tomorrow. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. So yesterday I'm watching the Sixers game here in the studio. So I pull up the old app, throw down a couple of uh, shackles, you know? As you should. Yep. So I saw this bet that says first to 15. And it's like Sixers minus 300. Wizards like plus 525. And then tie nobody gets to 15 plus 20,000 and I'm like eh, I'll throw five bucks down on plus 20,000 odds why that not nobody la- well I misinterpreted the the bet here I am saying like nobody land on I'm thinking it's who hits the number and it says tie means nobody hits 15 so I'm thinking as long as like the Sixers go from like 14 to 16, and the Wizards never hit 15. That means both teams, because it says first to 15. Right. That's how I would think it would go. No. It's 15 points in the quarter. So as soon as somebody goes over 15, so in second quarter, this is how I found out. So somebody hit 15 in the first quarter. Um, the, The Wizards hit a layup. They hit 13. Boom, they hit 15. So the Sixers went past 15, and they got to pass 15 before the Wizards did, but the Wizards hit 15. So it wasn't like nobody hit 15. Right, they got So in the there. second quarter, it was first to five. So I was like, you, nah, went no. for, you went for it again. Yeah, no one's hitting five, and no one hit five. The Sixers went to six, and the Wizards went to uh, went over. It was like seven, six at one point or something. I like wonder that. how many times. But that- oh, the Wizards hit back-to-back threes. So they had six, and the Sixers had seven. Because the Sixers hit a three to go over five. So what was the, what was the odds boost on that one? Twenty thousand. Oh, twenty thousand. One. And it, I look at my thing and it says, says that I lost. So that's how you found out that you had no clue and what I, you were yeah. actually betting on. Yeah. Well, you got to maybe read the fine print, kind of like our bet. We got to read the fine print in our bet. Our bet was that Ben Simmons over under four and a half three point attempts in these regular season games. Now it looks like Ben Simmons is going to be hurt. 
And before the show, you tried to sneak in a little yeah, so fine I gotta, print we got to bring this out. Well, I think it's still in play. This is just unfortunate for you. It's like if you put a bet in on a, on a sports betting app that Ben Simmons is going to score over 15 points. You're right. And Ben Simmons gets hurt in that game. They don't tell you that, oh, well, hold on, you get your money back. Ben Simmons got hurt. You're right, but this is a gentleman's bet. Which so, is why you should be a gentleman and accept the fact that I you will, lost. I will accept it. I'm saying if that happened the other way around, I would say, well, that's not fair because Ben Simmons is not playing the rest of the way. So I would say, I'm not going to take your, your money on that. He didn't play the whole. We said in the eight games. Right. Well, he's injured and most likely out of the eight games. Yeah, but see, part of my reasoning behind picking under four and a half threes was because I didn't think he was going to play all eight games. So that was in my mindset of, hey, he might get some low management. He might not play the full second half of games. That was in my mind of one of the reasons why my philosophy was under four and a half. Well, he did shoot one yesterday. He did. And I texted you and said, there's one. Made it interesting. But right? Look, uh, me and you must be two different people because I expect that cold six-pack to be I'll on my desk. i cold six-pack. Now, I'm going to ask Mike Golick Jr. when he joins us here in just a second about that very thing. So, you know, we had the bet. Ben Simmons, I say, over, under, it's four and a half, right? If he went over four and a half, basically if he shot five, I win the brewskis, and and if not, you win the beers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible that it worked out this way. Of course it wouldn't have went smooth for us. There had to be some drama involved, and here we go. Because I feel, I feel that Mike Golick Jr. is probably the best person we could find to settle this score, don't you? I would have to agree. All right, he joins us now here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Mike Golick Jr., here's the question. Are you ready? Ready, let's do it. All right. So we had a bet. Ben Simmons, I laid four and a half three-point attempts, and I said, ah, four and a half, I'll take the over. Broach takes the under. Well, now he's hurt and he's out is the gentlemanly thing to do to say that bet is now null and void, or does he take my money? I think that bet's got to be null and void at yeah. this point. Who could have predict- Who could have predicted this or factored in? I think you got to take that off the board. There you no, go. no, no. See, this is where I disagree completely because my philosophy for going under four and a half threes, I didn't think he was going to play all eight games, and I made that very clear at the time. I don't so, remember that. Oh, you are just ridiculous. So with that being said, <laughs> that was part of the reason why I went under. Oh, uh, well, see, all right, so now the whole situation wasn't presented to me here. So if all of a sudden we're factoring injury on this as a real thing, and that was agreed upon at the beginning of this, or at least talked about publicly at the beginning of this, I, I might have to go the reversal on this one. It seems like we were playing with the cards up, and now you got to come pay up. This is, this is new information here. I'm adjusting on the fly. Oh, man, I don't remember that part of the uh, <laughs> thought process, but it shows you two ways of thinking here. Uh, Shinny and Golik is uh, coming up on August 17th. Golik Jr., 4-7 uh, to seven on ESPN Radio. He is our guest. Let, let's ask you about Ben Simmons. We, we were talking to Jason Fitch yesterday, and I asked him, is he – the most frustrating athlete in sports? Uh, no, I think there's far more frustrating athletes in sports who have, you know, misused or abused talent in, like, real ways than this one. Ben Simmons is just frustrating because he seems to be one of those guys that, like, isn't as interested with, like, otherworldly greatness as we want to project on every athlete. Like, we look at the easy one for him because three-point shooting comes up 
is, well, look at Giannis. Like, Giannis is already a better player than you, and he's actively trying to add a three-pointer to his game. Like, why can't you be more like him? Like, And it's because we all forget that even though Ben Simmons has these, like, otherworldly tools and we've known his name since he was at LSU, like, not everybody wants it that way or has to want it in those ways. And, like, that's okay, but it does become frustrating when he's supposed to be the face of the franchise in ways that he just doesn't seem to want to be right now. Let's assume that Ben will be available for the playoffs because this question would obviously not be in play if he wasn't ready. I'll give you five three-point attempts. No, no, no. You stop (laughs) over there. Let's assume Ben is available. Do they have a chance? Do the Sixers have a chance at actually winning the title? Uh, I mean, they've got a chance because they're talented, but I don't think so. Like, I don't think anywhere along the lines this season this team has displayed a a real ability to come together in the way that we thought their parts might be able to. And certainly nothing we've seen so far, even the injury, you know, notwithstanding when we've gotten to the bubble, has proven otherwise in that. So I don't think they're a team with a realistic shot. No, I think with all the sports right now, we've seen time off and time away and the disruption of the schedule favors the teams that already kind of displayed that continuity in their core. We can say a lot of things about the Sixers, but continuity in like meaningful ways of gelling together and having a familiarity with each other had never really been part of the formula. Uh, Michael Jr. is with us. So we had no sports. Now we're having an overload of sports. So I'll ask you, you into the pucks at all? You getting into this hockey all of a sudden? I mean, it's on nonstop all day. I mean, it's hard to, to avoid it. Well, let's see, I, I, I want to. Mother Nature took a toll on us out in the East Coast right now, so I haven't had power for the last three days. Wow. So I just limited my ability to dive in too early into the NHL right now. But I will say, and I have done this and displayed this with what's going on with soccer when the English Premier League came back, certainly with some of NASCAR as it's come back, is you're right, because we went so long without sports, I said, you know what, I'm not guaranteed any of these outdoor sports. We've seen what a disaster it's been in some respects for Major League Baseball that's kind of starting to level out now, outside of a couple of very bad instances with a couple of teams. College football, the NFL, they're going to be up in the air, but these bubble sports, NASCAR, these other ones have displayed longevity already. And said, I said, you know what, I better start watching the sports that are bubbled up and actually going to be here with us because they could be all we have at some point. Yep, it's been uh, it's like an overload here. All of a sudden, where does the PGA fit in on the uh, ledger this weekend? Does that does that rank at all for you? Oh yeah, it's absolutely going to rank in there. And, and listen, golf's been another one of those ones that we talked about at the very beginning of a lot of this. It's a naturally socially distant sport, and so outside of having to you know chirp at some of the golfers over the course of the initial rounds when they're playing practice rounds and getting a little bit too familiar with each other, I think you've seen golf kind of get a little bit more shine than it would have otherwise. I think Bryson DeChambeau is sort of becoming like a pseudo-meathead villain in a lot of this, chirping at older players, talking about his fitness regimen. Like, it's created a couple of characters going through the course of this that golf always needs in a world where Tiger Woods is going to be so old and still dealing with things on his body that we can't account for him each and every weekend. We can't account for him to always be the one involved in saving every tournament. We opened the show today talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. They just played a seven-inning doubleheader against the Yankees. So, you know, what are your thoughts about just baseball in general? You got, now you have the seven-inning doubleheaders. You got the DH in the National League. We're going by win percentage. It looks like the Marlins are running away with this thing. What's your overall thoughts on how baseball is being played right now? Yeah, listen, I think it's like every other sport. It's by any means necessary right now. And I'm one of the, you know, I'm not a baseball traditionalist in a lot of ways. And so even going in, looking at the extra innings rule, starting guys on second, doing the beer league rule there that every baseball insider we have had on our show and had on Golik and Wingo coming towards the end universally hated all this stuff, especially when it came 
to the rules and extra innings. But I love all that stuff because if you're a sport that's looking for ways to speed things up, ways to try and do right in the pandemic, it's the perfect time to try and experiment with some of the things that you weren't going to be able to slip in in normal baseball seasons. I would have loved to have seen the pitch clock make its way into that, although I understand with health and safety at a premium right now, you probably need more rest than usual. But why not try those things out? You've got free reign to right now. I think every sport should be looking more into that, but baseball has been one that's made some of those meaningful changes. Mike Golick Jr. is with us here on the Sports Bash. So uh, I, I see you tweeting away at Mike Golick Jr. about the uh, you know USA Today coaches poll, college football. Do we really think – we're going to get college football. I mean, are you holding on to that? It's going to start. I have very little confidence that it finishes, but I know it's going to start because the money dictates that that kind of stuff happens right now. So we will see. I mean, yeah, you know, it's 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 fun to talk about Notre Dame being in the ACC for a year that may not happen in all of this. And it's certainly interesting to look at the initial coaches polls and the rankings and stuff that Quite frankly, we put too much stock in to begin with in all this, but I know it's going to start. That much I can tell you for sure, because as we've seen, these conferences and you know, commissioners have made it pretty clear what's really at the heart of all of this stuff if it wasn't clear before. It is money, money, money. Yeah, there's no question about that. And then the NFL, obviously, I mean, today's the, the opt-out day. We've been kind of keeping an eye on that. Many have already done it. Uh, do you think that the the NFL will have any issues, same money reasons, right? I mean, obviously college players are a little different than professionals, but uh, do you see any hiccups in the NFL season? Yeah, I mean, I see it mimicking Major League Baseball to where we're probably going to lose a couple games to forfeit. Like, wow. For me to believe different would be to think that, well, I mean, it, think about it. What would, what would lead you to believe it's different other than saying are NFL players inherently more responsible than Major League Baseball players? No, and there's more of them on each roster, so you've got more opportunities for stuff to happen and this is what happens outside of the bubble like we've seen it proven already enough to say whether it's in the college programs in the summer or major league baseball this is going to happen and it's about your ability to adjust respond and control it when it does and so hopefully the nfl's got a plan for all that coming up like you said it's different because it's collectively bargained in pro sports the players have a say in what happens from here on out they've got shared equity because that money is their money too uh, Mike Golick Jr., it will be uh, Shanae and uh, Golick Jr. That starts August 17th with the new radio lineup, and you get the chance to do morning drive with your dad for a while. That was a great emotional ending to the show. Uh, I thought the family did a great job kind of you know, letting dad get a proper send-off, but a new uh, venture for you. How do you see this show kind of being different? Uh, well, you know, it's certainly going to be nice to do, and this is, you know, no disrespect. Like you said, there's going to be nothing cooler that I get to do in my professional career than do a radio show for three years with my dad. And having Trey there, who I've known for so long, was great. And to have them almost as mentors and people that could help me continue to learn about this craft was great. But now the opportunity to go and have my name be the one on the show there, to be the one more involved in putting it together in the day-to-day and having a say in those things, and to get to do it with someone as unbelievably talented and delightful to be around is Cheney, who is such a gifted athlete and the rare combination of being a top overall pick, being an all-star, but being able to explain the game in a way that's understandable to all the rest of us is remarkable. And so to get to do that as two of the younger voices on ESPN in general, but definitely on the ESPN radio side, it is awesome. That's a hell of a platform for our generation to be able to take hold of and do right by. Uh, well, we're looking forward to August 17th. The new lineup will be rolled out here on 97.3 ESPN. And Mike Golick Jr. has been our guest, and he, like all guests of here, via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Mike, appreciate it, man.
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Time to pay up on those unders. Oh, man. What do you say? He said, well, hold on a second. He did say in the beginning that if the bet was just a bet, that you probably should pull out. And then you said the reason you bet the under, I don't remember you. We might have to go listen to the tape. Yeah, maybe we will. Now, here's the thing. That you verbalized that my thought process of why I'm going under is because you don't think that he was going to play all eight games. Yeah, I said that. Oh, I know I did. I'm very confident in that. we got to have to tape. Okay, but I'll say this as well. I'm a nice man. You buy the six-pack, I'll drink them with you. You know, I'll <laughs> share them with you. It's not like I'll go run home and drink them by myself. We can have a good time. Sports Pass brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Black Kia, 6211 Black Horse Pike. Egg Harbor Township. That was Mike Golick Jr. coming up. D-Ray, Daryl Reynolds on the NBA and some Sixers. Ben Simmons, we got the latest update. ESPN-FM. All right, so we got some text messages in here. We'll get to Ben Simmons' injury real quick. Now, Georgia Gallery says, I think I get Mike's point. Hunter is right that if this were a bet with a sports book, he'd be the clear winner. But here's why the gentleman's bet makes a difference. The bet wasn't just the number of attempts. The real implication there was that Mike saw Simmons as confident as a result of his uh, training, while Hunter was more skeptical. So, yes, by the letter of the law, Hunter's right. But when it comes to the real question behind it, it's definitely not a valid sample to decide that with even if Hunter was factoring in load management into the question. Now, I'll say this. I know that if I was on the other side here, I'm buying you that six-pack. Without I a said doubt. I will. I know you will. But I'm, I'm not saying, saying you won't. I, I would told I'm you not saying you won't. that nah, that bet's over. I wouldn't go down that road. I think that's part of the bet. You take some chances and, you know, it's yeah, unfortunate well, for you. Injury taints the bet. Why? Because we never got to see if, in fact, over the eight games, the bet would have been materialized. Well, let me ask you this. How confident were you? that Took you, one yesterday. He took one. Yeah. Were you that confident that you'd get that five? Hey, that's three in how many games? That's more than he had all season. It would be different if he was sitting at three attempts to that point. But the fact that that was the first one, you know. Yeah. You can't sit there and was say I that confident? you're that Was I Now, if you use that money that you would buy on a six-pack of locale IPAs on maybe a $10 t-shirt outside of Citizens Bank Park, maybe it's a different story. Is that story. what you're going with today? Well, I see an Ed Snyder, a Flyer Forever tee there. I mean, it looks like some sort of uh, cheap uh, iron uh, iron on there. That's exactly what it is. I saw this in my drawer, and I'm like, I have to wear this to work today. I went for my secondary $10 tee. Ed Snyder, a Flyer Forever. It's got his face on there and everything. Yep, cup in there, too, I see. Yeah, a little a signature. <laughs> I had to wear it. it that like, was better than the Phillies one, though. So this one's better. I will say, it I did better. buy this uh, when it when we did find out the news, and it was very emotional time for Flyers fans. I was walking outside the Wells Fargo Center. It was during the time in 2016. I said, I got to have one of those. But see, with you, where you're Big not... Big guy, are you? <laughs> you know, it's just a part of Flyers hockey. I will say this, though. You are out on... I feel like you're more out on the fact that I still have the shirt more so than I purchased the shirt. No, 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 no. Because you think you buy the shirt, it's just you're the drunk, you wear it of... at the game, and then it's over, right? This is a shirt that I still have. No, I've been drunk at games. I've never said, you know what I want to do? Buy a shirt off that guy. Well, that's a personal problem. What's wrong with that? <laughs> if I buy it, then I'm going to keep it. Okay, well, then I'm glad we're I on the same I've got shirts that I've never had on my back before that I still have. Okay, well, that's good. You know, like the ones that they hand out at a game. 
Oh, the uh, do you know how many orange flyers oh, playoff man, I hockey had a million shirts I have? Yeah. Oh, I still have them all. Oh, I got the Sixers one with Dr. J. I got the one with uh, Moses Malone. I have that one as well. Yeah. I just don't like the big uh, cartoonish looking, you know. So this one's okay. That was actually not bad. The Bash Brothers. Bash Brothers was well, it was Bush League. It was like a seven inning double dip. Now, when you see this shirt, do you think? $10 tee no, outside? No, I don't. Oh, I you don't. don't even... Oh, well, that's a good sign, then. Other than the screened-on Ed Snyder. Yeah, that could have been a little bit better. Yeah. No But doubt. the signature looks good. The flyer forever looks good. And the dates, the dates being on there looks, like, legit. All right. Well, let's see. I, I need to go back into my drawers and see how much we have left, and then we could play a game. Fake tea or real tea. <laughs> and when I come inside every day, we have to debate if I bought that off the street or if... You know, it's something I bought at a store. Play Sugar House text board. Mike, you don't want to check the tapes. I specifically remember Brode saying that was his thought process. I got to agree with him that injury doesn't void a bet. No, it doesn't void the bet. I'm acknowledging that it doesn't. Like, if I put the bet in through PlaySugarHouse.com, it doesn't void my bet that if I say Ben Simmons is going to attempt three threes tonight and he he gets hurt in the first quarter, I lose my money. I get that. I'm just saying, for we're me, and we said in the eight games, and he doesn't play the eight games due to injury. Now, load management might be different. I don't see where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it. Speaking of Ben Simmons, by the way, the news is eh, not great. Diagnosed with a subluxation of his left patella, which he suffered last night. The MRI came back negative. He doesn't have a tear or anything. But this could be like a three-week injury, potentially. I actually had an issue with my patella before. I thought I tore my meniscus. So it was, you know, severe pain. I did feel a a big-time pain going through my knees, and I thought I tore my meniscus, and it ended up being a patella injury. So it is no joke. There is definitely a lot of pain that's involved. Dr. Barr, he is at 3CB Performance. He's the guy on Twitter that some people uh, read means his kneecap shifted out of place momentarily. Think of it as a partial dislocation. Treatment in return depends on the extent of injury to the surrounding areas. We'll talk to Daryl Reynolds about that. What does that mean for the Sixers? Keep in mind, Joel and B played again like a man-child last night. Maybe there's uh, no fans in the buildings helping him out. He normally thrives off that. He's played better. D-Ray up next. Summer's not here long, so seize the sizzle with Walmart. Find all your faves such as Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. This time of year is all about living easy and sizzling good food. Whether you're cooking for two or for a houseful, grilling outside makes mealtime simple, delicious, and fun. When the coals are hot, 